to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 233. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we're going to finish the book of Daniel. Specifically, we're going to look at the last couple of chapters, chapter 13 and 14 of the book of Daniel. Um, so turn there, unless, of course, you're driving. Now, these chapters are a little different. If you try to find them in most Protestant Bibles, you won't. They're not in there. Uh, they're not in the Jewish canon either, um, but uh, both of these chapters, 13 and 14, are in the book of Daniel in the Septuagint. Um, you'll recall that uh, the Septuagint was the list of approved, if you will, or used, if you will, um, Bible books that was extant during the time of Jesus. And two-thirds of the quotes from the Old Testament that found their way into the New Testament are from the Septuagint. So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And I might add, nobody questioned uh, the books of the, the Septuagint being part of canon when from the time they were formally uh, chosen in the councils of Hippo, Carthage and Rome in the late 300s, they were not seriously questioned by anybody for 1,100 years until Luther came along. And so um, I want you to, if, if you're wondering more about this subject, why do we have more books and more stuff than our Protestant brothers, I want to encourage you to re-listen to the um, you know, the session on 2nd Maccabees, okay, where we develop that that more. Suffice it to say, Luther had uh, some kind of deep psychological issues, and he couldn't deal with the idea that works had anything at all to do with your salvation. And so he kicked out books that seemed to, uh, or, or, or that did indicate that works do have something to do with your salvation. He kicked out all that he could, um, and um, now these two chapters, uh, there's there's nothing controversial about them, um, uh, you know, from a theological standpoint. But anyway, I'll just I've said too much. Go back and listen to uh, the session on Second Maccabees, and it will all be revealed to you if you haven't seen it already. Okay, now chapter thirteen. Here's a couple of. Uh, both of these chapters, by the way, um, uh, are about persevering in times of trouble, which is the primary theme of Daniel, right? Because his own people were going through uh, trouble at that time. Okay, so I'll summarize. So Susanna is this beautiful lady. She's married, and there are two judges that really have the hots for her. And they decide that, uh, you know, they, they want her. So they come up to her and they say, if you don't sleep with us, we're going to say that we saw you having sex with a young man. And of course, at that time, it was a very patriarchal society. And these are judges, so they're supposed to be uh, above reproach, right? So Susanna, she's in a bind, right? Because, uh, you know, these judges are going to have uh, more 
uh, sway with uh, any kind of in a in any kind of a trial than a mere woman, especially at that time, because women were not uh, highly regarded. But it says what in this chapter thirteen, uh, it in verse thirty five, it says through her tears she looked up to heaven, for she trusted in the Lord wholeheartedly. So you might want to take a crayon and underline that verse thirty five. And through your own tears at your worst times in your life, you can know, look up to heaven and trust in the Lord wholeheartedly. Well, anyway, so they make their accusation. And uh, Susanna, of course, doesn't sleep with them. Um, and then a young Daniel. So this is kind of like a prequel, if you will, because it says he's, he's very young here in this chapter 13. Uh, he thinks it's all not true. So he questions the two judges, but he's smart enough to get them separated, you know. So their testimony is heard by, you know, a jury of some sort, but uh, they can't hear each other. And he says, hey, uh, so you saw her having sex. What, what kind of a tree was she under? And one says a really tiny little tree, and one says a big oak. And so he says, okay, you guys can't even get your stories straight. You contradicted each other. And then justice was done by the way the two judges were put to death. Uh, and uh, then it says, Susanna's parents and her husband uh, praised uh, the, you know, they praised the, the Lord. And so bottom line is, um, you know, it's, it's good to put your trust in God and not in judges, even, you know, especially in judges, because uh, there was a pretty corrupt system at the time. I don't think much has changed in the last uh, uh, 2,200 years either, has it? So, okay, that's story number one. So the, the point of the story is put your trust in God and he will take care of you. Okay. We believe as Christians that he will take care of you uh, eternally. So it doesn't mean that your life here will be just wonderful, uh, but uh, eternity is much more important than whatever suffering you, you feel is overcoming you now. Okay, um, those, That kind of suffering won't last, but e eternity with God in heaven will last for eternity. And last I checked, eternity is a really, really, really long time. Okay, on to chapter 14 couple little uh, bits here. We've got the story of Bel. And now we're back to the Babylonians, okay? And the Babylonians, we're told in chapter 14, this is a nice little story. Uh, maybe true, maybe not. But uh, the, the, the timeless truth of the story is true, okay? Remember, the authors of the Bible wrote in different ways. Some wrote um, you know, uh, in in prose or poetry, or, you know, stories to illustrate a timeless truth. And, and some wrote, you know, actual factual material. You know, it's not like one guy wrote the whole thing, right? Okay, so if you want to believe this is true, great. If you want to believe that it is a story to uh, uh, illustrate a timeless truth, that's fine too. The Catholic Church has not ruled on either of those. Um, but uh, the timeless truth is, of course, timeless and, of course, true. All right, and we shall see what that is. 
So uh, the Babylonians had this idol and they brought it food and wine uh, every, every night, I guess, and a lot of wine apparently. And they would lock up the, the, the temple there and uh, the Babylonian temple. And the next day the food and the wine would be gone. And so uh, the king, the Babylonian king said, hey, this really is an idol because it really does consume the food and the wine. And so Daniel says, I'll tell you what, if you, uh, I don't believe that. Uh, here's the verse to underline in chapter 14. Try uh, verse uh, five. When the king asked him, why do you not adore Bel? Daniel replied, because I worship not idols made with hands, but only the living God who made heaven and earth and has dominion over all uh, mankind. And so then Daniel discovers that it's really a ruse that, uh, you know, some people who are in charge, you know, they have a way into the temple at night, even when it's locked, and they drink all the wine and eat all the food. And of course, the king finds out about it and uh, has, has the, you know, the evil people put to death. And then what it is, what is his conclusion? Uh, um, he, uh, he handed Bel, that is the, the uh, idol, over to Daniel, who destroyed it and its temple. Okay, so uh, we, have, we have that. Next, we have another story of the dragon, which begins in verse 23. There's a great dra dragon which the Babylonians worshipped. Uh, look, said the king to Daniel, you can't deny that this is a living God, so adore it. But Daniel, once again, predictably said what? I adore the Lord my God, for he is the living God. And, uh, you know, give me permission. I'll kill that dragon. I won't use a sword or a club. So he kills the dragon by, uh, you know, putting something in the dragon's mouth that uh, causes the dragon to blow up and burst. And then Daniel says to the king, see, this is what you worshiped. So then, um, then the, the Babylonians they turn against the king, and they said, "Hey, you know, you did this bad thing." And so the king, you know, he's trying to save face. So the king was forced to hand Daniel over to them, and once again, Daniel goes into a lion's den. So is this kind of a different take on the same story we saw earlier in Daniel, or not? Uh, in the den were seven lions. And, uh, but they, they couldn't, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't eat him. And so he was saved. And on the seventh day in verse 40 of chapter 14, the king came to mourn for Daniel. I mean, how's he going to be in there for seven days with all these hungry lions? By the way, once again, seven days, right? The number of completion, the number of perfection. And by the way, how many lions were there? I think there were seven lions. Okay. All right number of complete lions. And uh, he looks in and there's Daniel sitting there. And what's the lesson? Verse 41, the king cried out. This is the Babylonian king. He says, you are great, O Lord, the God of Daniel, and there is no other besides you. Uh, Daniel he took out, but those who had tried to destroy him, he threw into the den. And just to show these uh, lions really were hungry, they were devoured. All right. 
So what is the message of chapter 13 and 14? It's the same message that was there in all the other chapters of Daniel. Hey, you're going to be put into your own lion's den, so to speak. Not a literal one, hopefully. But you're going to go through your trials and tribulations. And God will take care of you. So there's nothing new about uh, this, this message, but it's reinforced. And the reason why this whole book was written was because our Jewish friends were going through intense persecution at the time that it was written. So if you're going through intense persecution at work or with your friends or with your family or, uh, you know, even governmental persecution, you know, be like Daniel. Don't punt the faith. Stand up for it and say, this is what I believe. You know, I found one thing that no one, even, even atheists, even people who are antithetical to any kind of faith, have never given me a problem with. They'll share some, some crisis that they're going through. And I say, uh, well, I'd like to pray about that. Or may I pray with you about that? And generally they don't pray, but I'll, I'll pray. And no one has ever jumped on my back about that. Uh, the other thing is, um, you know, share what God has done in your life. No one can argue with that. I mean, you can say, hey, I've been through some tough times, but I've always had people of faith with me. I've always had my church with me, and it has uh, really taken the, uh, the sting out of whatever I was, was going through. People can argue theology, right? Uh, they can argue doctrine, but they can't argue what God has done for you. You know, the, the worst they can say is, well, okay, I don't believe that, but I believe that you believe that. But they can't tell you you're wrong for uh, the fact that you've gone through some bad stuff and that your faith and that your church has gotten you through it. So uh, it's all about uh, accepting a relationship with Christ, which he's there asking for you to, to do. He doesn't make you, you know, you have a free will. But it's all about that relationship. And then once you have that relationship, sharing it with other people, right? We are all beggars trying to tell other beggars where we can get some food. Where's the soup kitchen? So uh, first, we decide to walk with Christ. And, um, you know, we are strengthened through the sacraments of the church. And then we're not supposed to keep it to ourselves. We're not supposed to hide it under, under a bush, if you will. We are supposed to uh, go and tell others. And so I want you to pray for situations that will come up that will give you an opportunity to share with people in your life what God has done to you. Usually it's in a case where the other person is going through some tough times. Give them a little space, particularly if it's like a death of a loved one. Give them a little space. Put your arm around them and say, hey, I'm there for you. And at some point, you know, the question will come up to you. So how is it that you're able to get through stuff like this? And wow, there is the teaching opportunity. You know, you can just say, well, you know, I, um, I have faith in the Lord I'm, and, 
And uh, without that, I don't know how I'd get through this trial, but uh, I know that he has a plan for all of us. And sometimes we don't know what that plan is until our life is over. Hopefully, you, you know, if you're walking with Christ, he gradually reveals to you what your specific plan should be. And it's always about uh, furthering the gospel. So enough said. Uh, that is the book of Daniel. Next time, we're going to get into what are known as the minor prophets and uh we've got a bunch of them so come back next time let's go to the lord in prayer in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit <clears throat> lord we thank you for this apocalyptic uh book of daniel um which is meant to uh strengthen our faith in times of uh in times when we need to persevere in, in times when we seem to be crumbling. And we know that each one of us uh, goes through times like that. Um, so help us to have stronger backs and to deal with the, the, um, the problems that confront us, recognizing that uh, you are in control and not us. Yes, we are to cooperate with your graces and do the best that we can. Um, but ultimately, we need you in our lives and we need to share you with others so that they can have the same uh, blessings and graces. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.